Well, good morning. It's good to be with everybody this morning. Good to be out here in town. Uh, it is always great to be out here and be part of uh, the fest weekends. Um, in honor of Strawberry Fest, I wore the only red t-shirt in my closet. So hopefully I look like a big plump strawberry up here. Um, probably more plump than others, but hey, it's all good. Um, again, we are Long Grove Community Church, and it is great to be present here. Um, some of you may have seen some of the signage, but we are celebrating 175 years. That means long before this town was even here, and the church up there on the hill behind me was, was built, and there was people present there, and they were doing exactly the same thing we're doing today, probably with a little less microphones and speakers, but they were doing it. And uh, we are just so thrilled to be celebrating 175 years. Just to give some perspective, that's 15 years before Lincoln was in office, we were exist in existence and functioning. And so it is, uh, again, great to be a part of the downtown and the festivities. So again, we're, uh, we're Long Grove Community Church, and we just are uh, just, again, just honored to be here. We want to thank all the downtown folks for giving us this uh, window of time at the start of uh, the fest here this morning. So I'm going to jump in uh, just uh, to what we want to get into, the message today. And, you know, I think, I don't know about you, but a lot of times in our life, I was thinking about this, and a lot of times in life, I think we experience things that we don't quite understand, but we sure do place a lot of trust in. Anybody ever ridden an elevator before? Um, you know, and again, you may... Have, have a general idea of how that works, but you know, you get up to like the 22nd, the 30th floor or something like that, you're showing that you really have a lot of faith in something you don't know a lot about. And that's always been kind of interesting to me. Another one is an airplane. How many people like to fly? All right. How many people hate to fly? How many people hate to fly but still have to fly? All right. So we jump on airplanes again all the time. Um, I have the privilege, you know, I, do, I was in aviation maintenance for quite a while and know a good bit about it. And so it's always fun when I'm traveling with my wife, who is one of those prefer not to fly people. Um, but I get to like all the sounds that they make, right, the plane makes and what's going on. I can kind of lean over and whisper and like walk her through what's happening, what that sound is, and that it's supposed to be happening and it's the right time for that to be happening. If, I, if she looks over and I'm not giving her that narrative, uh, then she gets concerned. Uh, that something is wrong. And so, again, we oftentimes place our faith in things that really we just are not completely, we don't have this full comprehensive understanding. Um, even in medicine, the human body, there's just things we don't really quite understand, but we know that it works. And, you know, I have a, that question lingers with me is why is it that in some areas of life we are okay to, you know, not completely understand everything, but in others we wonder how we, we, we can be sure it is true. Why is it that some things that we have to have drilled down, but other things we're like, you know, well, I kind of understand the concept, or it seems like it makes sense, so we can go with it. You know, when it comes to, to the God of the Bible, many seem to fall into that latter type of reasoning where, you know, they want to know every single detail, every single bit, every single, you know, that, anything you can squeeze out of it. And if they can't, then it, they kind of step back and away sometimes. And this morning, I want us to look briefly at two questions that often come up, come up when it it comes to God and talking about the things of God, and especially in my line of work, a lot of questions that people ask, and these are kind of at the top of the list, and, you know, maybe this will kind of resonate with some of you out there today, but the first is, how do we know that God is good? <laughs> I mean, this beautiful day today and the breeze and the weather, I mean, it answers the question pretty well for me, but for some people, how do we know that God is good? And to find out if God is good, and I mean, his very nature, he is good, we must first consider how we define goodness. How many things in life can you say are good right now? With, you know, and when you do that with nothing before and nothing after, like it's just good. 
You know, maybe some of you say McDonald's is good, right? Which I would heavily dispute, but we all go there, right? In a pinch, or maybe if you're on a you know, road trip, McDonald's is good. It's, it's good food, you know, or maybe it's something else. Maybe your dog is good. I don't know about your dog. My dog is good in very brief windows of time. But overall, I would say he's good most of the time. And so, you know, there's not a lot of things that we can say are good with no, like, before or after. And even when it comes to people, anybody out there would nominate themselves as being good. Please don't raise your hand. <laughs> okay. We're maybe good most of the time, or we think we're good. And, you know, a lot of times maybe we think we know a good person, right? And that may be because we don't know that person when we're not around. Or maybe, you know, it's, it's funny how we won't nominate ourselves to, to be that good title, but we'll nominate others. And I think there's something to it because all in ourselves, we know the places we fall short. We know the places that we still struggle. The only person who then who could even step into the arena of being good would have to be God himself. And so today we're not asking the question, is God good? But instead we are assuming that God is good and asking, how do we know that? As humans, we struggle with the unknown, going back to those illustrations we began with about the elevator and the airplane. You know, we can learn a lot just through observation and experience. And one way we do that is to observe what the scriptures say. If you guys are following along or if you have your Bibles or your phones or you want to turn there, you can go to Mark chapter 10. And beginning in verse 17, it says this, And Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, and a man came running up to him, knelt down, and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus' response says, Why do you call me good? Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. So very right at the get-go, Jesus here is establishing that, that, again, this man, he's recognizing him as God. Right? He's recognizing him as God because, I mean, we see that he knelt down. He calls him good. And Jesus is saying, well, if you're calling me good, there's only one that is good, and that is God. And he goes on in verse 19, but to answer your question. So, again, he wanted to establish that, and now he's going to go on and answer the question. He says, you know the commandments, as many of us do. You must not murder. Okay, I haven't done that, so I'm pretty good so far, right? We all can probably agree to that. Uh, you must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. And he says, honor your father and mother. And so teacher, the man replied, I mean, he's like, okay, I'm all right. This list is checking out. I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. So, you know, there's kind of this statement like, hey, maybe I am good. Maybe I make the cut here. And looking at the man, it goes on, Jesus felt genuine love for him. So we want to pause there and we see that Jesus feels love for this man. He's, he's, he really cares about what he's asking and, the, and what he's posing in front of him. And then Jesus goes on, there's still one thing you haven't done. And he told him, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. <laughs> so two pretty significant actions that are being requested by Jesus. One is to sell everything, give everything to the poor, and, to, and then after you do that, to come follow me. And that would be hard probably for most of us here. <laughs> you know, can you imagine that, you know, selling everything, getting rid of everything, and then you go. You walk away from what you know. And then probably not a surprising response in verse 22 says, as at this, the man's face fell and he went away sad for he had many possessions. You see, he followed all those commandments, but now he wasn't able to follow this one thing. And so he fell short. And again, I say that, and I'm sure all of us here, we would agree that that would be a very hard thing to do. We're not saying in the sense of, like, what's his problem? And those are like, 
yeah, I would have struggled with that too. But again, we see that he, he fell short here. He couldn't follow through. And, and then Jesus goes on now with the disciples and says to them, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? And this amazed them. But Jesus said again, dear children, it is very hard to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Have you ever tried to thread a needle before? With a, that thing's hard. I mean, even with a little piece of thread. And so he's making this you know, exaggerated reference to this camel going through the eye of the needle. And the disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved, they asked. And Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it is impossible but not with God. Everything is possible with God. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this beautiful day. I thank you for this, this message and for your word. I ask you, Lord, just to open our hearts. Thank you for all those that are, are here today. And we just pray, Lord, that, again, you would just speak to us today uh, through, through just all everything that we experience. In Jesus' name, amen. You see, the, the reality is, is, is we can't compartmentalize goodness, can we? Either you are good or you are not. <laughs> that's, that's what it is, right? Like, you can't, like, help a, a, an old lady across the street one moment and then go steal money from somebody else and, be, and somebody say you're good, right? It's, it's, it's all or nothing. And, you know, Jesus here established quickly that even this man who boldly claimed to have followed all the commandments was not able to do what was being asked of him. But in his love and in his kindness, he offers a way to enter the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, to this man. He says, here it is. This is... This is what's being offered to you. There is a way. It's not going to be necessarily easy, but here is the way that you can have what you're asking for. You know, God tells us throughout Scripture that he is fully good in all of his being. God is either all that he is. Good is either all that he is. So God is either all good, and like I said, or he is lying and is none of it. Because if he's not good in some situations, then he's not good at all. God does not offer himself to us a la carte, you know. I mean, when it comes to eating food, a la carte is pretty awesome. But when it comes to God, God does not work like that. God does not function like that. If he is anything less than he claims, then he is not at all what he claims. And so, again, if Jesus is saying he is good, then he's good in everything he does. And, again, I want to bring us back, just reference back to that question we pronounced. What we're dealing with is, is how do we know God is good? So, nonetheless, with all of this in mind, Jesus makes this claim. And so... Can we accept this claim? Can we trust that Jesus' words are true? In 1879, actually, what is that? Probably 30 years after this church was built, by the way. <laughs> a Scottish preacher named William Knight, he, he uh, was a professor of logic as well, and he proposed this idea. He said this. He, he called it a trilemma, a trilemma. And he's, these three things, either Christ either deceived mankind by conscious fraud, so either Jesus was out there just deceiving everybody, put on this big show, or he himself was deluded and self-deceived, so he was like a crazy guy, thinking like, hey, I'm, I'm this, this Messiah person. Or <laughs> the last one, which all of us, most of us here probably agree to, is that he truly was divine. And so there's no getting around this trilemma because, you know, many say that Jesus was great. He was a great even a great prophet. But then if he was, then what he said to be true must be true. And so Jesus, again, and, and by this extension and the Godhead as a whole, exists either all or nothing. And so he establishes here he is God and, and good, which leads us to the typical follow-up question. 
And again, maybe many, many of us here today within the sound of my voice have wrestled with this. And well, if God is good, then why does God allow bad things to happen? If God is good, then why does God allow bad things to happen? And to find out why evil exists in the world, that a world that is overseen by an all-loving, all-powerful God, we must seek out the roots of evil and God's will. And so the answer to this question, I like Billy Graham's answer, if you ever had heard of him before and listened to his teachings back in the day. He said this, I've been asked hundreds of times why God allows evil to take place. And I have to tell you honestly that I do not know the answer. Not fully anyway. And I'm not gonna pretend for a moment to be better or greater than Billy Graham was. And if he didn't have the answer, and I think if all of us are honest, you know, we, we struggle, we may have an idea, or like he said, not fully. We understand maybe some reasons why, but it is hard. When you see a child suffering with some disease or some painful thing, or you know, some tragedy happens to somebody who, who does many great things in their community, you know, it, it does raise questions and it becomes challenging, doesn't it? It becomes hard sometimes, like, God, I don't understand this. And it's okay to have those questions. You know, there, there's a technical word to it when you, you attempt to answer this question. And again, it comes under the, the heading of what we would call theology, and it's, it's theodicy, all right, theodicy. And that is simply an explanation of why a perfectly good, almighty, and all-knowing God permits evil. Everyone wonders why bad things happen to people we love. Some wonder why bad things even happen at all. Like, why can't we just have, you know, beautiful days like this every day? <laughs> why does it have to thunderstorm? Why does it have to snow? It may be claimed that any evil disproves an all-good God. Like, should there be no evil at all in the world if, if God is, is good? Or that the amount of evil, the untold amount of the needless and pointless and how much of the evil it disproves God. And some would even say that the unjust distribution of evil disproves God. Again, there are some people that are evil or that do bad things, and we would probably justify some bad things to happen to them. But when, again, good things or evil things are done to, to someone, then it's like, why? It doesn't seem like it's, it's, it's working out the right way. Again, not just that bad things happen, but that they happen sometimes to what we would say good people just as much as to bad people. And this, this term, good people, and we've established already in that, that previous scripture we, we were looking at that really no one is truly good except for God. Again, we've, we've all messed up. <laughs> you know, when I was going through that list of commandments, honoring your father and mother, you know, I think overall I did okay, but I know there were times I did not do the best. And hopefully some of you are nodding with me because if we're all honest, you know, it's hard sometimes. And so we're not perfect, and that's okay. You know, many today wrestle with the same line of thinking that C.S. Lewis once presented. If, if God were good, he would wish to make his creatures perfectly happy. And if God were almighty, he would be able to do what he wished. But the creatures are not happy, and therefore God lacks either goodness or power or both. And so he's making this statement along these lines of, so we should be happy. And we oftentimes will attach God's goodness with our happiness, don't we? How many like to be happy? Anybody? All right. So a few people. Everybody else is, is has, I guess, the, something hasn't opened yet, the food or something. It'll get happier as the day goes on, I'm sure. But we do that, don't we? We attach our happiness. If we're happy or if things are going well, then, then, then life is good and God is taking care of us. 
You know, one of uh, the favorite shops over here is Ma and Pa's Candy. And, you know, my boys love to frequent there, especially my 10-year-old. And, you know, he was, he's definitely happy when he goes to that shop. Now, let me ask you a question. If I let him go into that shop unsupervised, which I would never do, he would and just say, you know what, just go ahead and grab whatever, go ahead and eat as you go, and, and we'll cover the expense uh, when you're done. He would probably start out really happy, wouldn't he? But after probably about 10, 15 minutes, maybe 20 minutes of shoveling candy into his mouth, how do you, where do you think his happiness level is going to be? <laughs> it's probably going to be in the bathroom with him, right? That's what I would assume. Uh, I mean, his stomach's going to be hurting and things, you know, what started out as happy, it was overindulged and went overboard. So, again, you know, we can't, we can't then really, you know, tie our happiness necessarily to God's goodness. His, his, his task, or not even his task, what he does isn't just meant to keep us happy. And it doesn't hinge directly on one another. You know, some also might approach God's goodness in a different way. When they see something bad happening to someone, they might assume that God is punishing them or something. The idea, you know, plagues both Christians and non-believers. And this was the case in this next account. You know, we have a, in John chapter 9, Jesus is walking along and he sees a man that had been blind from birth. And Rabbi, his disciples, asked him, why was that man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. And again, that passage goes on and Jesus heals that man of his blindness. But so we see, though, the disciples, they jump to this man who's suffering from blindness and implies that question that there must be a reason. He must have done something or his parents must have done something wrong. see, we can only come to a balanced understanding of this theodicy as we've talked about it, why a perfectly good, almighty, and all-knowing God permits evil, by realizing that the causes of suffering are many. And as human beings, it can be difficult to assess which are at play in a specific situation. Is God ordaining or simply allowing the suffering we experience? See, sometimes suffering is the result of our own personal sin and the consequences of it. Again, if I went out today and I did something illegal, I would end up in jail. I would be suffering the consequences of a bad decision that I chose. And those consequences came on myself. God didn't send those consequences. I chose something and there was a result. There was a consequence for my decision. Sometimes it's simply a result of a living in a world that has been broken. Again, we live in a world that, that is, there's, there's death around us. I looked at the statistic and you know, sadly, you know how, ma how many people die every second? It's almost two people die a second in the world. If you count to 10, that's 20 people have died in the world in those 10 seconds. And so we see that. We see things dying. We see our beautiful plants, you know, in the winter when it comes, they die off. We have to sometimes replant or maybe they come up the next season. But there is death in every level that this world fades around us. And so, again, that's sometimes where this suffering comes from. Sometimes suffering may just simply be the result of evil and the enemy's work in the world. Again, there is evil out there. We see it all the time. We see it in the news. We see it every weekend downtown Chicago. Like how many people can be shot in a weekend? It's evil. It's evil. And so again, the truth is not all suffering is bad though, right? How many like to run? Raise your hands high. Don't be ashamed. We're going to pray for you. I mean, unless somebody's chasing me or there's a fire, <laughs> I did my military time and I did not enjoy it. It's, it's painful. 
But I did like the effects, right? The exercise, you get the cardio going and stuff like that. It is good. It has a benefit, but there is a pain level to it. I mean, if you have tattoos, have anybody gotten a tattoo before? If you have one of those, you know, just so you can have some art on your skin, you go through some pain, don't you? Again, it, it just depends. Surgery. Surgery is a, right? It's a good thing probably for, to experience some pain because a lot of times it's correcting something so we're, we're, we're well and healthy. So what can we be sure of is that God can use the suffering in our lives and redeem it and turning it to good. So we can't dodge suffering. It's, it's going to happen. It's just you're either going to suffer with God or you're going to suffer without God. Admittedly, there's, there's still some difficult situations that suffering, of suffering, sorry, that are hard, if not impossible, to understand. And this is where we must default to our first point today that we talked about, that God truly is good. As we prepare to close, musicians can come up. I want to recognize that, you know, there are many of us here, maybe there are people here that had no clue there was going to be a church service here this morning. <laughs> And maybe you're here going through suffering, and I, I hope that you will be encouraged that, you know, God sees you. And you can call out to him, and he will walk with you. And again, even for the believer, the, the, the one that professes to be a Christian, we're not promised that we're going to skip over all the valleys. We're not going to skip over all the challenges in life. But we're promised that there's one that will stay with us, that will walk with us as we go through those challenges. God's love and goodness became manifest and his solution to our problem. And our greatest problem was this separation from God. And that solution was Jesus and Jesus, how he died for us and went to the cross. You see, God continues to exist alongside and, and, and he, he walks with us. Even the results of our own messes, he walks with us. And as God watched everything unfold without you know, he, he didn't do so without providing a means of escape, that there's a promise that there one day things will be renewed, things will be whole and well. The sacrifice, death, and suffering of Christ is in our place, places antidote to sin and suffering within our grasp today. And if spiritual brokenness is the source of evil, then spiritual life is the displacement of evil. Surely, only a good God could bring this type of relief and healing to the evil that exists in our world, and that's the God that we serve today. Would you bow your heads as we pray? Father God, we thank you once again for this time. I thank you for this gorgeous day. I thank you for every person, Lord, that is here in attendance at the fest today. God, we pray that they would be safe, that they would um, just enjoy themselves today, and uh, just, again, just your creation in this wonderful time. God, we thank you for the, the village here of Long Grove and just, again, the, the many great things that they're doing and, and just the blessing they are to so many. And God, we do just want to extend, Lord, that invitation today that if someone doesn't know you, that if somebody is going through suffering without you, Lord, that they would uh, reach out to you and they would take hold of, Lord, the, the means by which they can be saved, the professing of their faith, Lord, in you and the, the surrender of themselves and confession of their sin. And so, God, we thank you for that. We thank you for, again, just the, every uh, person here, every family. Keep everyone safe, Lord God. And again, bless this day in Jesus' name. And God's people said, amen. Amen.